Well, good morning, Liberty Plains Baptist Church. How are you guys today? Having a good day? Yeah? I hope and pray that all is well with you and all is well with your family and friends during these strange days. And I want to thank you for joining us here today online as we look into God's word together. And even though we are at a distance here during this time of history, we can come together before the Lord God and learn from his word and worship him and have peace and rest in it in an encouraging time together. I encourage you to do that today. Take your fears, your pain, your insecurities, your pride and your anger to the king and be real with him. Because quite frankly, we are all struggling with these issues today. And we need someone bigger than us to deal with all of that and more. Thankfully, the Word of God says this in 1 Peter 5, uh, verses 6 through 11. It says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him, because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful, your adversary, the devil, prowls around, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the grace uh, sorry, the God of all grace who has called you into his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the domain forever and ever. Amen. <clears throat> now verse 7, of course, the casting your cares on him who cares on you is probably the most quoted passage quoted part of this passage but the whole passage brings a light of who our hope is God who cares for us so be humble before him be watchful for there is an enemy that is trying to come after you the adversary the devil who is looking to devour people yes even believers he is looking to destroy derail and damage your faith and your personal relationship with the almighty he wants your faith destroyed so resist the adversary by having faith by knowing that it is firm and by knowing what you believe and why you believe it know this that there is suffering around the world that is the context we live in because the world is broken. But after this, after this little bit, Peter says, of suffering, know this, that the God of grace will do this. He will restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish us in eternal glory with Christ. We will be whole. 
We will have no problems and pains. So trust him and rest in the finished work of Jesus, the Messiah, who offers all of this because of who he is and what he has done. So we can trust that no matter what happens today or tomorrow, our eternal dwelling place with the Almighty is there, and we should live in light of it. Let's uh, go to the Lord in prayer. Oh, Father God, we thank you for today. We thank you that we can still gather. We can be safe in our homes and take this time to be at a distance to honor our government and to love our neighbor. Oh, Father, I just pray that your word would cut us, that we would read it and understand it and apply it to today. Father, I just pray for those that are struggling, those that are you know, having problems, that they would look at that passage in Peter and be encouraged that there is a God that cares for them and that there is a Messiah who saves and that there is hope for a future. No matter what happens in this world, there is a better one coming. We thank you for your word today, Lord. We thank you for a day that we can gather before you and worship you and that we can celebrate Palm Sunday. And Father, we thank you for everything that you have given us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, today is Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday is celebrated on April 5th. 2020. On this day, we commemorate, we recall an event from over 2,000 years ago. It is a day when Jesus entered Jerusalem and palm branches were cut down and placed before him. Year after year, churches have had all of the kids come up on stage singing, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest, waving palm branches. And, you know, it is one event that's actually recorded in all four Gospels, and it is usually titled the Triumphal Entry in our Bibles today. Well, let us turn to our Bibles today and, and read Matthew's account of the event. So turn with me, please, to Matthew 21, and uh, we will read uh, verses 1 through 11 and see what Matthew records. Matthew says this, Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethpage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did as Jesus had, had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put, their, put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, 
but others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and that were following him shouting, were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he had entered, when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up saying, who is this? And the crowd said, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. Now Jesus and they, it starts off in the text. You know, this could definitely be the followers of Jesus, the 12, but this is not just the 12. This is most likely the a company or a company of Jesus that's found to be about 120 members in Acts 1.15. And they were all going up into Jerusalem for Passover. So they drew near to Jerusalem and they came to a village named Bethpage. It's a small little village outside of Jerusalem, somewhere by Bethany. And they were coming to Jerusalem on the way of Mount Olives. They and others, crowds of people, would have been making their way to Jerusalem at this time for Passover. So as they were all coming up to Beth Bethpage, Jesus sends two of his disciples to go into the village of Bethpage and tells them, in this village, in that village, you will find a donkey and a colt. So he tells the disciples to untie them and bring them here. And all of this, this small little action is actually to come together to fulfill a prophecy, a prophecy that we find in Zechariah 9. And uh, please turn with me in your Bibles to Zechariah. Zechariah 9 says this, and we'll just read verse 9. It says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous, having salvation, he is. Humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Now, this action in itself is declaring that Jesus is the king. The king is coming to Zion, which is another term and name of Jerusalem. And it's telling, this prophecy is telling Jerusalem to rejoice, to shout aloud, the king is here. He has come mounted on a donkey. It would stand out in the Jewish mindset here. Here, O Zion, is your king. Jesus takes this action and rides a donkey into Jerusalem. The New Testament states that it was a fulfillment of this passage. So as they came up to Jerusalem, all of these crowds that were around him, people coming before him and people following them, were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David, to the king. They spread their cloaks and branches on the ground before Jesus. This was going on as Jesus rode into Jerusalem, and the entire city was stirred up. 
And everyone was wondering, everyone was saying, who is this? Well, the crowd's answer is this is the prophet, Jesus of Nazareth of Galilee. You know, this scene has been shown uh, in cinematic history uh, throughout several films. Uh, Mel Gibson's Passion of the Christ uh, to History Channel specials that are on right now during this season. They run every year. And um, more, most interestingly, the one that stands out to me is from an old film, uh, The Robe. It's a 1953 film. And it shows the, the, the triumphal entry just happening in the background. And uh, the main character's life in the film at the time is kind of just riding by. He's a Roman centurion. And uh, he wouldn't meet uh, that king until later. Uh, but it is an interesting picture of uh, that several characters uh, of that film were just, uh, who is this man writing in? And, oh, that's some Messiah. It happens every time around this year. And that Romans might have just dismissed it as another thing. You know, as, as it comes to this time of year, a lot of, a lot of people come to church. You know, that's, that's the springtime event. Everyone gets dressed up really nice and, and the church puts on a really nice new show for newcomers to those that have, you know, never been to even those that have been since the beginning. And throughout my time as a believer in Christ, I've seen awesome dramas and I've heard some of the best crafted sermons during these days where more of the culture comes to the church still. Yet time after time, church numbers go down. And even as the crowds that welcomed Jesus when he entered Jerusalem, well, the fact is they didn't hang around and help when he was being crucified. It is often preached, but not knowing that there were people in both crowds that one day they were shouting Hosanna and a few days later they were yelling crucify. Uh, we do not know that. The Bible does not say that outright, so neither should we. But when it comes to the crowds in the New Testament, we see them coming to Jesus for healing, for food, to even make him king. So the question before us today is what is in it for the crowd in this text? What are they here for? What are they seeking? Uh, earlier in the Gospel of Matthew, we see people for, with every disease and affliction come to Jesus. They came so far away as from Syria. Uh, look that up. It's not, you know, just a day's journey. It's quite a, quite a ways. They came from Galilee, the Decapolis, which is across the Sea of Galilee. Uh, Jerusalem, Judea, they came from even beyond the River Jordan and that's found in Matthew 4, 23 and 25. In the Gospel of John, uh, we see after Jesus feeds the 5,000, in John 6, 15, it records this. Perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. So it brings insight to the text of why he immediately made the disciples get into the boat after feeding the 5,000 in Matthew 14, 22, as we come to that. Jesus withdrew. He sent his disciples far off because he knew what the crowd was doing. 
He knew what they were about to do. Uh, some great insight that the Gospel of John breathes out to different events recorded in the Gospels. It says this in uh, John chapter 2, if you want to turn there with me, please. Because uh, this is kind of a premise for the Gospel of John actually shows us a lot about this. In John chapter 2, we'll read verses 23 through 25. Uh, John says this, Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. But Jesus on his part did not entrust himself to them because he knew all people and needed no one to bear witness about man, for he himself knew what was in man. This tells us that, you know, though many saw these wonders, they saw the signs that Jesus himself had done. Jesus himself did not entrust himself to them because he is the son of God and he knew what was in man. That statement is true of Jesus. He knows what's in our hearts. So why are we crowding around Jesus? Are we crowding around because of the wonders, the signs, the food? Hey, free lunch, come and get it. The social status? Or maybe it's because we have always just done it. When it comes to the crowds at the triumphal entry, when Jesus comes to Jerusalem, John gives us some insight here as well. Please turn in your Bibles with me to John chapter 12. In John chapter 12, verses 12 through 19 is what we'll read. John records this. The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written, Fear not, O daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples didn't understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. The crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus, Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. The reason why the crowd went out to meet him was that they had heard that they had they had heard that he had done the sign. So the Pharisees said to one another, You see that you are gaining nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. So it, it sets out like the same as Matthew's gospel. They are coming to Jerusalem for the Passover feast. And they have these crowds that have heard Jesus was coming, took down palm branches and went to meet him, crying out loud, Hosanna. 
and Jesus is riding a donkey into Jerusalem. He's not disagreeing with what they are saying. Here is the king of Israel who very much can save us now. The disciples didn't understand what was going on until later. They didn't remember these things, but the Spirit would remind them. The disciples stood there in the crowd, going along with their rabbi. But here it stands out that the crowd that declared that they had seen, what they had declared they had seen Jesus call Lazarus out of the tomb. They continued to bear witness about him. They had actually seen one of his wonders. So they continued to go forward. They stayed with him. <clears throat> On the other hand, there are those that came out to meet him. They had only heard of the signs that he had done. and But still there is one more group, and those are the Pharisees, who saw all that was going on and said this, the world had gone after him, has gone after him. You know, the Bible cuts to the core of the issue that people will either bow down and bear witness to who God is and what he has done. And there will be people that will flock to him for handouts and gifts. And there will also be people that stand on the sidelines and just judge. First and foremost, we agree that God alone knows the hearts and motives for those coming to him. As we come before the king to learn from his word and to sing to him, place yourself before him. You know, a lot of people in the world today fake it till you can make it. Well, you can't do that in front of Jesus. The question before us all is why do we come to church? Or why are we a part of a church? Why are we running to God in a panic? Or coming to God on our own time? You know, this Christian life, is it about the gifts, the blessings, the fulfillment, the healing, or the social status? Or is it about God? Is it about delighting in him and worshiping him in spirit and truth and knowing him and making him known and coming to the awesome truth that we will dwell with God Almighty forever? That is a question before us all. Because if we come to him for the stuff, for the gifts and not for him, not for God himself, then we miss the very point of Christianity and the cross altogether. We need to not get caught up with the fanfare of cool events and all because we might miss the Messiah. Let us not miss out on personally knowing Christ Jesus and bearing witness to who he is and what he has done. Let us proclaim that his mission is this and it's found in Mark 10:45. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Because this is the issue before us. Yes, even today, this is the issue. 
Man needs to be ransomed. Man needs a righteous one to come and bring him salvation. Not because of some enemy in the headlines, but because of sin and death and hell. That is why the Son of Man, the Messiah, came to deal with humanity's problem of sin and a sinful nature and exchange places. Please turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Second Corinthians chapter 5, we'll read verses 17 through 21. Uh, this is uh, by far becoming one of my more favorite passages of Scripture lately. It says this, Paul states this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All of this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting us, entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors of Christ, God making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is the message and this is the mission that for our sake Christ came even though he knew no sin. He was in fact made sin for us and he took all the wrath of God and was given to us who believe upon Jesus righteousness. You know, that is an issue for all in the crowd. You know, we can either bear witness about him, him and his wonders. Or we can rush along because we think we can get something out of it. Or even better yet, we can stand by and judge both sides. The choice is really ours. So why do we sing or not sing? Why do we cry out, Hosanna? Why do we want God to save us now? Is it because we want God's way? Or our own. If you go back to Zechariah 9 and read it in its context, you will see the coming of the Messiah as the Jews thought he would come in Jesus' day. That he would bring salvation. Not by dying for the sins of the world, but that he would bring salvation through a physical kingdom and a physical rule over Zion as the Lord. But the fact is that Jesus first came as a humble servant. And when he comes again, he will rule. So the text of the New Testament fixes on is verse 9 again in Zechariah. Rejoice greatly, 
O daughter of Zion. <clears throat> Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous, having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. A humble king was not what they were looking for. A righteous one bringing salvation, bringing salvation from a different enemy than the Romans, a king with a different mission, <coughs> that even his closest followers were stunned and full of wonder at. Yet he told them time and time again, this is what's going to happen. Please turn in your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 18. And this is a recording one of the many instances where Jesus tells his disciples what will happen when they go up to Jerusalem. And it says this in verses 31 through 34. And taking the twelve, he said to them, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and everything that is written about the Son of Man by the prophets will be accomplished. For he will be delivered over to the Gentiles, and he will be mocked and shamefully treated and spit upon. And after flogging him, they will kill him. And on the third day he will rise. But they understood none of these things. This saying was hidden from them, and they did not grasp what was said. The Jews of the time thought differently of the Messiah, and they even think differently of him today. He was going to come and destroy their enemies and expel the Gentiles from the land and he would rule the world with his staff. That is what they wanted from God, a Messiah. What do we want when we crowd around Jesus, learning from him and being amazed by him and healed by him? Is our first thought about ourselves? Or are we about bearing witness to him and to his wonder, his glory, and his grace. The crowds of that day came for their different reasons. Others stood in judgment. Today is much the same. People crowd around Jesus and God looking for a handout of wonder, food, healing, or a sign. Today, come to him because of him. Upon any day we should approach God rightly and we should come to him while we are answering this question. And this question is found in Mark 8 uh, verses 27 through 28. Jesus asks his followers a few questions. Uh, let's listen in. As Jesus went on, went with his disciples to the village of Caesarea Philippi, and on the way, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that I am? And they told him, John the Baptist. And others say, Elijah. And, uh, and others, one of the prophets. And he asked them, But who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, You are the Christ. You know, this is the question for all of humanity. Who do you say that I am? 
This is the question that cuts through every crowd. This is the question that cuts through the world. Do you say that I am some prophet? Do you say that I'm John the Baptist or Elijah? Maybe a good teacher or a misunderstood rabbi? But when it comes to his works, his wonders and his wonderful personality, there can only be one answer to the question. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. As we are before our King, will you want, will you wonder, or will you worship Him? I just want to thank you for joining us here today and being a part of home service, home worship right now. We hope and pray that this is a blessing and an encouraging time to be in the Lord's Word And as we celebrate Palm Sunday a little differently this year, but uh, we're thankful um, for you, thankful for our church, and we just hope and pray that you guys have a blessed day. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Uh, Let's uh, close in a word of prayer. Uh, Father God, we thank you for today. Thank you for everything that you have given us, Lord. Thank you for your word. Lord, that as we come before you, that we would come before you for the right reasons. That we would crowd around you and bear witness to who you are and what you have done, Lord. And we thank you for Palm Sunday. We thank you that we can commemorate, we can recall the fact that you came into Jerusalem. And that you came with a mission in mind to ransom the many, to exchange your life for the unjust to be the just and the justifier, to come before and and to lay down your life willingly to be our substitution. And we thank you for that, Lord. And as we go forward in this week to uh, uh, even uh, remember more of what you've done and uh, look forward to the resurrection and uh, to one day coming and, and gathering physically again, Lord, we we look forward to that and we pray for that day earnestly already. Uh, Father God, we pray for those that are struggling in this time of of, uh, being distant. Um, We pray as a church that we can help uh, one another and pray for one another and talk with one another. Um, And we just uh, pray for your leading in this time, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Uh, Thank you for joining us, and everyone, have a blessed day. Bye.